I'm Shereen Fatek, and this is Making Marketing. On today's episode, the consultancies are here. The rise of consulting giants and their moves into the agency business has created a massive shift. Tracy Wong is at the forefront of this. The founder of Wong Duty saw the writing on the wall when he decided to sell his creative company to Indian outsourcing giant Infosys this year. On this episode, we discussed why CMOs are now suddenly finding themselves responsible for digital transformation and the decline of the holding company. Hi, Tracy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Shereen. We're excited to have you. Tell me about what what's what motivated you, at least you know, in the '90s, to kind of start your own agency, and what was kind of the central thesis or value that you wanted to kind of have this company be about. Well, here's the funny thing. It's like uh, you know, there there are certain kids when they're in school. Oh, you can tell this 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 kid is going to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I had no no inclination that I would ever start my own business. In school, I never thought about that. College, I never thought about it. When I was in the business, I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Never thought I would have my own place. And I, again, it's one of those things where I sort of stumbled into it because, you know, at the time, and still to a certain extent, it's a low overhead business to start. You need a couple of people and maybe a couple of computers, and that's really it. You don't need to build factories or make product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what had happened was, um, I think for me, uh, I started off at Ogilvy in New York. Uh, big, huge, you know, Ogilvy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and after probably about two days, I figured, you know what? This is probably not right for me as a cultural fit. It took me three and a half years to get out. My second job, I went to work for a small startup at the time called Goldsmith Jeffrey. Started by um, two guys who had come from the original Doyle Dane Birnbach. Oh, wow. uh, Gary Goldsmith, a great creative director, and Bob Jeffrey, an account guy who ended up being the head of J. Walter Thompson North America. Mm-hmm. But these guys had a small startup, and I got a phone call from Gary to join them. And uh, Gary was my idol in, in school at Art Center, so uh, I jumped at the chance. And what I saw there was, I saw that you could do this, yeah, obviously with very little overhead. But it's like it was really the principles that were the drivers. It's like, wow, could I someday do this? Maybe, but I actually thought I would. I was gonna. I would work for Gary probably for the rest of my life because I so admired him and Bob and what they were doing. But, you know, I'm a kid from Portland, Oregon, living in New York City and felt a little bit distant. So I had this yearning to move back west. So it's like, ah. So I ended up taking a job at Goodby, what was then Goodby Berlin Silverstein, which is now Goodby Silverstein and Partners. But by that time, I'd sort of had the bug. It's like, wait a minute, you know what? I, maybe I could do this because Gary was an art director by trade and he was with an account guy, Bob, and, and they could do this. So I sort of in the back of my mind was looking for the right opportunity and the right person to maybe start a business because it's like, I don't know. They just caught, I sort of caught the bug and it took me a while. It was a good be for a few years. And then I took a job at a place called Livingston and Company in Seattle mm-hmm. to be the executive creative director. Because I said, you know what? Uh, Goody said, what do you want to do that for? And it's like, you don't want to get into management. <laughs> I said, well, I think I want to kind of learn. I want to keep growing. So, okay. And so I took the job, and there I met a gentleman. The general manager's name was Pat Duty. And it was a really great small little agency in Seattle, a g- great creative shop, had a great creative uh, pedigree, a lot of awards through Alaska Airlines. Mm-hmm. Um, but then one night over dinner, Duty and I confessed our secret desires, which is, hey, you know what? It'd be great to start an agency someday. And he goes, you want to start an agency? I looked at him like, you want to start an agency? So Pat was an account guy, 10 years older than me, 
uh, general manager just like, shoot, we could do this, man. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. So we basically decided that night that we would start an agency. We had to fight about the name. <laughs> Here, the funny Why? Thing, what was the other option? Well, here are the options. It's like, okay, you do the principal's names. It's either Wong Duty or Duty Wong, which both sounded awful. <laughs> so we thought, well, because that's not credible. Who would hire an agency named Wong Duty or Duty Wong? So actually, hey, I've heard a- worse. So <laughs> I think it'd be fine. Uh, uh, we our first logo was uh, a yin and yang symbol with little shamrocks in the middle. So for a while, we were actually going to call ourselves Yin and O Yang. Mm-hmm. For the fact that uh, it was a mixture, we're very opposite. Mm-hmm. But we stuck with uh, uh, we stuck with Wong Duty. I somehow convinced Pat that my name had to be first, so he was gracious. <laughs> I said, "Fine, fine, whatever." Hey, that, that's actually one of the most important things. I mean, I think it, it's it's interesting to think about sort of that you sort of went there and said, "Okay, should we do this? Should we do this?" And and then you did it. What was what was kind of the creative scene like um, at the time? You know, what was going to be kind of the founding principle? What, what, what did you think about, okay, what makes our agency different? Or were you like, okay, we're going to make really great stuff and let's see how it goes? Well, actually, it was really funny because we really thought a lot about that before we started. We thought about what the agency's values would be. We thought about what would be important to us. You know, obviously, we knew that it's like based on the sort of uh, – creative work that I'd done at other agencies, we were going to lead with creative, but it was more than that because both Pat and I are extremely pragmatic. Um, and it was like, you know, you know, the most important thing is the relationship. And so we actually came up with this list of values. Um, like there were five to seven of these things, which we actually instituted later when we actually, you know, fears into the agency's existence. But the first couple were the most formative. We knew that, you know, it's a creative work is important, but the relationship with the client is more important than anything. Because if you have a relationship with the client, then A, you don't have any revenue, and B, there's, you're never going to get any good creative work. So for us, building the foundation on relationships being everything was really important to us. And so you would think creative would be on that list of values. But things like creativity, integrity are not on the list of values because those are givens. The most important ones were relationship is everything and not just with clients, but as it turned out, our employees because the employees are the drivers to the business. It's like we can't own everything. And so our relationship with them has to be good and strong because it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's helpful. I mean, you have to. It's self-preservation. Relationship good with employees. Employees do good work, work hard, love the agency, love the culture, good relationship with the clients. Everything is symbiotic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is it's an egoless culture. That was the second thing. Um, and Which is um, especially important. I mean, I, I talk about ego and it's sort of almost very close relationship with advertising quite a bit. And I've talked about it with a lot of guests because it does feel like ego is a central part of a lot of people in advertising, a lot of companies in advertising. And in some ways sort of that explains the awards. It explains a lot of how, how it all works really. Ego seems inextricably linked. So that is a really, really big thing with the agency. And I think that's probably the biggest point of differentiation that most people don't realize until they come work for us. You can hear a little bit on the street. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, uh, so that of all the awards we've won as an agency, I think what we're most proud of is 
in Seattle and Los Angeles, the local business journals, the Puget Sound Business Journal and the Los Angeles Business Journal, for every year that we've entered, I think it's eight years running, for every year we've entered Best Places to Work, which is an anonymous employee poll, we have been on that list out of one. Mm-hmm. And I would be hard-pressed to name any other agency on those lists because for us, it's about employee retention, employee welfare, and employee uh, happiness. Mm-hmm. And where that mm-hmm. comes from is really having an egoless culture. So I, I will tell one story because I think this is really, really formative and how we got there because, again, I'm working at really great creative shops. Now, mind you, brilliant people, you know, some are jerks, but most aren't, like Gary Goldsmith was tough, tough on clients, but brilliant. And Jeff and Rich were just absolutely, absolutely brilliant. I think uh, for me, uh, Goodby is certifiable genius mm-hmm. and a, a genuinely, genuinely good story, a whole bunch of stories around. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, we have this thing called a creative democracy, mm-hmm. which is everybody needs to participate, everybody. And that client side and uh, agency side, that's everybody. It's not just the creative department. And this is how it got started. So when Wong Duty started, it's it's uh, it's Pat, it's me, it's a uh, a phone, and we don't even have our, our own fax machine. We're uh, uh, we're our first office space was in a commercial real estate agent's conference room. It was a buddy of Pat's who said he would give us free office space for six months. Mm-hmm. So that was our first office, and so our first client was a client called uh, K Two Skis. Mm-hmm. Uh, K Two Skis. Is a local account, but a really famous ski company. And so uh, our first assignment for them was for the whole new campaign, catalog line, advertising campaign for the coming season. And we were juggling freelance assignments at the time. And we had probably less than, we had less than a week to come up with the, the campaign ideas for this thing. So it's me, Pat, we do have one employee, Rainy Huey, who is uh, we call the catch-all goddess. She would do production, she'd do strategy, she'd do account work, anything that we needed her to. And then I had a freelance writer who was moonlighting uh, from an agency down the street, but he was a junior kid and we had him only at night. And so I said, you guys, we only have three or four days to come up with ideas. I can't work with Craig all the time and we got other stuff to do. It's like, I'm gonna need all of you guys to come up with ideas for the campaign. They were looking at me like, what? So, so I said, look, all I want, chicken scratchings, headlines, haiku, rip out, you know, photos from ski magazines, you know, you know, quotes, anything. And cause you guys are with the strategy, you understand the assignment, you understand the client. So it's Monday night on Wednesday night. We're, we're all going to sit down. We're all going to share ideas. And they said, okay, so you got duty. Who's an account guy, Rainy, who's the strategist and an account person, Craig, the junior copywriter and me. And literally, we're there, there are two of us in chairs, and Craig and I are sitting on the floor because we don't have four chairs. So little scraps of paper. We just go one by one. Mm-hmm. Pat lays down something, reads a headline that he thought of. You know, Ray says, here's a photo I found. It's like it is inspirational. It is this and this and this. And we're literally laying down pieces of paper. Some resemble ad layouts. Some are just headlines. Some are just photos. We talk about them. And my job as a creative director was like, hey, all right. Again, this is out of desperation because we don't have, I don't have staff. Um, it's like we had a yes pile, a no pile, and a maybe pile. So yes, that, that's something of an idea that's great. We can work with this. There's a no pile, mm, off strategy, probably not right for the client. And then a maybe pile was like it was 
not fully formed or really in its sort of fetal stages. And I could see as a creative director, a little bit of work in massage too, we can make this into something. Mm -hmm. And so that was our first ever creative internal with account people as part of the internal and a part of not just contributing work, but discussing the work at the very first internal. And out of that meeting, out of that first internal came bits and pieces of the campaign that eventually sold and went on to win some awards. And some of these headlines and ideas came from Pat and Rainey. Mm -hmm. So that was the, the driver and the prototype for what our creative internals and the way we work now. Yes, the creative department is on the hook for specifically coming up with the ideas. From, but from the first internal on, every discipline expert is in the room contributing and mm -hmm bringing their own expertise and evaluating that work through their own lens. And we're, they're allowed freely to take the ideas in exchange, riff, kill, whatever, but it's, it's a discussion. No it's, assholes. It's, no ego, no assholes. You can't do that if that's the case. And what happens is a lot of senior creatives who come from other agencies who are really nice people at other agencies <laughs> don't like this this sort of setting. They're like, what, where, what are all these people doing in the first right. internal? And where's my and credit? Like, and yeah, where and like, does that right. idea come from? Assistant account executive, like critiquing my work. What are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't need this. Um, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I think, and so, the, this sort of this is a nice way to actually go back to a little bit to what we were saying right at the beginning, which is you know the industry has changed, the work has changed. It's not about, and I think this is this is not, not news to anybody. It's not the one big film anymore. Everything's more difficult. Everything's more complicated. It's also arguably more fun. Um, I want to talk a little bit about sort of, you know, obviously, if for those who are listening who might not know, you know, uh, Wang Duty has become now part of Infosys. And I wanted to sort of go back to sort of where that conversation began and what was going through your head at the time as you were sort of thinking about how the industry has changed and why did this make, make any sense to you? Well, I think, you know, we've seen a lot of change in the past 10 or 15 years but the change has been so rapid in the last three to five years. And, you know, sort of as, as we were looking at sort of the landscape and what was happening to our own business, but also on a macro level to any independent out there, mm -hmm. it's like um, the straight sort of advertising assignments are few and far between. Mm -hmm. um, your competition is from so many different areas right now. It could be different kinds of agencies, production, consul uh, production companies, consultancies, in-house mm -hmm. is big. And any... Any client of any sort of size or, you know, beyond regional but national, you've got a lot of competition, smaller margins, um, and uh, it, it just – well, let me, let me go back a half step. Okay. I think the, the, the business is so changed because the, the, the problems that our clients are dealing with has so changed. I walk into almost any meeting – this is past – year and a half, two years, every meeting I start to get the sense, well, it's not just marketing and advertising that CMO is dealing with. You know, they're dealing with like issues of digital transformation. They're dealing with, oh my God, this media, the media business is completely changing and I'm not sure. Do I, I don't have any transparency. What should I, should I bring in a house? What should I do? Mm -hmm. You know, and they're dealing with, and they're dealing with um, disruption. So it's like every industry is on the verge of being disrupted by somebody. So now CMOs are pulled into conversations with CIO, CDO, CTOs, and CEOs like, oh, shit, there are disruptors in the landscape. Either we try to disrupt or we're going to get disrupted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they've got that in the back of their head. Um, and they've got – so everything now for, for 
these chief marketing officers is is nasty and tangled. I mean, I basically, and I completely agree with you. I think that a lot of CMOs are sort of grappling with an entirely new definition of really what their jobs are, whether it's being closer to the CIO, CTO, CEO in many cases. Um, but the thing it keeps coming back to is we've, we finally realized that marketing is A, complicated, and B, has to drive the bottom line, has to be a real revenue driver. So we have to go back and take a hard look at our marketing investments, just where it's being done, how it's being done, et cetera. What confuses me is that is that this is being treated as a new idea. Wasn't marketing always supposed to drive business? I mean, where did we kind of lose our way and how can we seem to be refining it again if, if what the CMOs are saying is true? Right. Well, I think if we look at what um, marketing used to be, it used to be pure and simple. It's just demand generation. You know, throw some fish hooks into the water and then let's see what we catch. Mm-hmm. Um, but the responsibilities of the CMOs are now much more complicated than that rather than just generating demand. They're responsible for consumer experience, customer experiences once they're in. They're responsible for customer engagement. Now that starts to get into digital and technology platforms, and that's where it starts to get very complicated because the responsibilities are getting bigger and stranger. Mm-hmm. And they're all connected to technology in some way. So, like, and it's like every client, every client seems to be struggling with having to develop some technology to enhance or to build customer engagement and experience. So, if they've got to build um, apps or tech platforms, that's that's like that was never on their on their you know job description a few years back. So that's why I think it's like marketing now becomes experience and engagement. And it's like, wow, that's a whole of that's where it gets really deep and nasty. How has that affected then? And this is what you were about to talk about. Just how has that sort of changed how the agency business was functioning, Um, which, you know, was very different from just even five years ago. What what has the effect been on agencies? So, you know, I I, I look at one key uh, one key point, there's a list that we've been watching for, well, everybody watches this. It's like the top 10 holding agency holding companies in the world, mm-hmm. how many are there actually purely agency mm-hmm. holding mm-hmm. companies anymore? Right. They're either uh, they're either straight-up consultancies yep. or global techs. It's like, what? Where did that come from? And that's, mm-hmm. that's all a part of what we were just talking about, you know, the complexity of things and the complexity of a CMO's business and now how technology is kind of infected and eaten everything. Tell me a little bit about what you were thinking when you were saying, okay, this is what we do and what they do. This can work together and this will, this is the way forward. Yes. Well, so, you know, looking at that, uh, looking at them and looking at the landscape and looking at who, who are the, who are the entities that are buying creative agencies right now has completely changed in the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, you know, for, Wong Duty has been in existence. It'll be 25 years this November. Mm-hmm. We've mm-hmm. talked to tons of uh, potential buyers, you know, just to see what was out there. But you know, predominantly for decades, they were agency holding companies. Right. And somebody right. said it's the analogy is like, well, it's like you become another stamp in the stamp collection, and the the Borg sort of eats your culture, and that's it. You're basically doing it for the money, and that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. you're not so I mean that didn't seem very uh, attractive to us so but what has changed again mm-hmm. 
is as we saw sort of this landscape changing, again, that list of the top 10 agency holding companies, like what are the consultancies? What are the global techs doing in this? And then we quickly realized that, well, okay, they have, um, let's, let's look at the emphasis model. So emphasis, I had, I had not heard of them. Um, well, I think most people think of them as, as outsourcing call center. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they've got digital delivery and offshore digital creation. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they've gotten into over the past few years is into uh, digital strategy and consulting. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to get out of just the digital making part into the digital strategy part. Now you're getting into the areas of the Deloitte's and the Accenture's and you're on sort of the same competitive set. And now they're looking at, well, how do we extend it so we can be, in essence, a true end-to-end solution to a client? And so on the very tip of that spear, right next to digital strategy, you have, you have customer experience and you have brand experience. Mm-hmm. So that's our territory. So what happens is, is we become part of a small portfolio of, of uh, agencies that do different things, but around customer experience and around brand experience. Mm-hmm. So that if you look all the way from brand experience and brand campaigns and customer engagement at the very front and all the way down to offshore delivery of digital things in India, you got the whole thing that you can go to a client with and they can pick and choose as they can try to extend their business, they don't have to go hire somebody else. They can come to one place. And that's obvious cost savings to the clients. Yes, and there's efficiencies in knowing their business and adding organic services to things like that is a lot easier for a lot of people. So, but that's the play that a lot of these big guys mm-hmm. are having. So, like so, that, so that's the pitch. I mean, so the, the pitch is really one-stop shop, get get everything done, don't need to go elsewhere for all of these different needs you have. And it's it's the integration of it. That's the, that's the big promise. Yes. So here's the thing. So for instance, um, we're in a pitch with uh, uh, a client in a certain vertical, but they want to introduce a t- new technology because everybody in that uh, industry or vertical needs to start to figure out how to get applications and mobile apps to deliver their services into the hands of people. So everybody in that category is is rushing to try to figure out sort of um, technological products to enhance customer engagement mm-hmm. and the experience. So it's like that's a natural play because they have to not only create demand for this thing, they have to actually create the thing, design it, and figure out how to deploy it. Right. So we talk about uh, demand, design, uh, deploy. It's just like that circle that keeps changing. So they need all of those things. So you might come in around the conversation of how are we going to market this to like oh gosh, you can really help me with the customer experience and design of this thing. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you can really help us to figure out how we're going to deliver and how we're going to manage all the data that are in our systems and how to do that and get to the right analytics and blah, 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 blah. So mm-hmm. you can see how this thing really right. spreads into different conversation very quickly. Yes, even though your incision point is marketing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a couple of myths or things I hear out in the in the world about kind of this idea of, you know, consultancies plus agencies plus creative services coming together. And I want I want to hear if you think they're true or if they're false and why. Um, one thing I often hear is that creatives wouldn't want to work inside one of these kinds of companies. <laughs> um, Too many suits, can... not cool enough. Well, here's the thing, and one of the choices that we made was we're the only uh, creative agency in their global portfolio, and what the, the idea is for us to scale for them. 
because to them, what was really interesting for us and a really big draw for us to emphasis were two things. One, the model, the model that I just described, and the fact that um, you know we would be the only agency in the portfolio to do what we do. But the thing they said to us, we realize your culture is really, really important, and we don't want to mess with that. And actually, their culture is very strong and very good. Um, but I, but for us, that was a really, really big deal because it's like we didn't hear that pitch from anybody else. It's like, well, your culture is important, and that you know, from the the CEO down, saying to us, very, very important. You guys need to stay who you are because that's why you're successful. This is not a pitch you're going to get from an agency holding company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Second one I often hear is that consultancies are have an inherent conflict of interest in their business models and they shouldn't be able to advise clients as well as sell clients on the thing that they're advising them on. Um, gosh, I don't know where I've heard that one because it's like, as you advise, you want to sell. <laughs> well, it's you what want- they, it's what, well, at, at the risk of answering my own question, which I love to do. Um, that's, that's basically what consultancies do. That That's just their model. It's not different from what they've done for years. Right. Some consultancies stop. They say, we're just going to consult and get out. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the pigeon dropping their business and flying off. It doesn't uh, seem very sustainable. <laughs> no. And what's happening is I think those those specific consultancies are thinking, you know what? We need to add some services because these other guys are moving upstream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So. One, another thing I'm, I'm curious about, about what you think is that it's not consultancies, you know, coming in and eating agencies lunch, that is, that's really the big concern. It's, it's clients just deciding to do more things in house. And that's something sort of that you were obviously seeing in the market, marketers either deciding to do their own thing or other people doing it and not sort of the traditional agencies doing it. Um, How much of this time around that we're talking about in-house marketing and in-house agencies, does it feel real? Because it feels more real to me this time around. feels like it's actually happening. Because everybody's saying it. So what, what will be, I think it's past the point of being just another phase as we've seen before in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are cost savings and efficiencies to be drawn from that. Now, again, the, the, the biggest conundrum is can you hire the best talent mm-hmm. to bring them in-house? Back to your earlier question. Mm-hmm. Some cases, maybe. In a lot of cases, no. But again, the late agency landscape is changing. And these kind of setups within house are more attractive than they were before. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the way we'll really tell how much of a lasting effect this is, I, I think some, so many big companies are already past the point where it's like, yes, they're going to keep it. But the, the, the thing that, uh, we should wait for is the next recession hmm. because that will tell you, because the first thing to go, we see in every recession mm-hmm. on, on, you know, client side is, a lot of times it's the flower budget and then an in-house creative. <laughs> so, so what about the snacks? <laughs> yes. Some snacks, snacks may stay. Snacks may um, stay. Good. Good choice. Um, Once I, you give but, them the snacks, you can't take them away. <laughs> Entitlement. So, so I, we'll see. And I think some may mm-hmm. scale back, mm-hmm. but I think a lot won't. So yeah, I think it's here to stay. And, and you know, I think you're right. It feels like it's a time for evolve or die approach and for real this time for agencies. Either, you know, do something, do whatever how, it is, figure it yeah. out. So that's part of it too. It's like you look at, you know, how many headlines do you see the ad agency business is dying or dead? 
I've probably written uh, a bunch of them. Yes. Okay. But I mean, so <laughs> you, you are, you actually probably have a better view of this than, than I do, but you know, we're, we, we're living what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. So you it's know? real. It's true. It's, it's, it's legit. So that's why for us, the issue was, can we find a strategic partner, which we found an Infosys that will sort of, uh, future proof us mm-hmm. retain culture but we can fit into the sort of their scheme of things and help each other in sort of a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. i talked about this democracy earlier where we sat around in a circle where you've got discipline experts you know at the first creative internal on well now that model as we've seen internally as we're being asked to do much different things than we used to before but even as we start to evolve into the emphasis model when we're t- talking with their digital strategists and they're vertical leaders. The conversations are a lot more complex, and the the problems that are brought to us and the solutions are a lot different than what we're used to. But the training around the democracy, which is sort of a roundtable of like having discipline experts trying to come to solutions, mm-hmm. it's a lot like a writer's room for comedy. It's really what it is. It's like you're coming in and you're all riffing off each other. Mm-hmm. You're all bringing your own discipline to it, and that's how you make this complicated stuff. But at the very root of all this, mm-hmm. it has to be an egoless democratic culture or that's not going to work. So, My last question is, what are you most worried about over the next five years? <sighs> you either have a lot or you have nothing. That's what that sigh tells me. Um, I'm laughing because I don't know. It has been so unpredictable over the past few years. I can't even imagine what the next five are going to be. You know, we go to these conferences and we hear these things, you know, catch words being, you know, digital transformation or customer experience or paradigm shift. And it's like a laugh because in a couple of years, it's going to be so cliched and, and outdated like a widget. So, uh, <laughs> this year's, so this I, year's blockchain is yesterday's big oh, data, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think I, somebody asked me that when we were talking to emphasis and the negotiations, it's like, why are you doing this? It's like, you've been independent for so long. It's like, w- you know, what are you most worried about? And I think their question came from a point of like, wow, you're going to lose your independence. It's like, you're going to. What about creativity? You're going to go to a global tech? That's crazy. And what I told them is what I was most frightened about was doing nothing. Because to remain static as an independent creative agency in this kind of environment, unless you're Wyden and Kennedy, mm-hmm. which is a global independent that, that defied the odds, mm-hmm. that, man, you got to do something. you got to do something. I like that. Yeah. That's J.C. Wong, founder of Wong Duty. Our producers are Aditi Sengal and Gianna Capadona. If you like the show, please subscribe. We're on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review, rate the show. I'm Train Patek, and we'll see you next week.